Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. Um, I'm so glad you're here wherever you are, sitting in your living room watching our live service. Um, We want to be a church that's always in pursuit of people who aren't inside the walls of a church. I think we are so passionate about reaching people in Kelowna that maybe are unreached. And so we are so thankful you're part of us in this journey that that we never imagined that we would have been here in this spot, in your living room, not in a live location, but digitally being streamed through Facebook and YouTube. So just thank you for being here. Uh, A few weeks ago, it was Good Friday, and I was sitting in my living room watching a Good Friday service. And maybe you were in your living room watching one. We didn't have one live but we were in our living room watching the service with communion elements sitting there and expecting to experience and remember the fact that Christ um, died on the cross. And this, this interesting thing happened. And it made me realize that our world's changed. That in the background, there was some crazy noise that my kids were like almost like killing each other. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're at a moment where maybe you're right now in this moment where you're actually sitting in your living room and you're trying to like listen to a service while your kids are not trying to kill each other, but we're trying to partake in the elements, communion, the bread and the, and the wine, but also our kids were like destroying each other. You see, it made me realize like in that moment where it was like such a struggle for my wife and I to just even watch a video for about 45 minutes you know, we're trying to remember the fact that Christ was sacrificed while my kids are pretty much sacrificing each other. Like maybe you're sitting there right, to, right now in your living room realizing that things are different. Things have changed. You know, I just want to say that we're so glad that you're here with us. That we actually know that, that lives are being changed. They're being uprooted. They're being almost destroyed. You see, two weeks ago, I felt destroyed sitting in my living room realizing that, that my kids were destroying each other. My wife was sitting there and we we're in tears and she's saying, how could this be a good Friday service? It sounds like a terrible Friday. You see, our world's different. It's changed. And we're doing a series, I think is very timely for us, timely for, for the church, for people in Kelowna in a pandemic, you know, in COVID-19 season, where things are not going to be the same. You know, maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you don't know how long you're going to be out of work for. Maybe it's impossible to get government assistance from the website that CRA has. You know, maybe you're so uncertain about paying your mortgage. Maybe for the first time this past week, you were like me, and actually I felt like I actually had a victory when I was homeschooling my kids. It only took me a month to figure that out. See, Peter's writing a letter to Christians who are struggling, who are suffering. He's actually writing a letter because Peter was an eyewitness to Christ. And we're in this series called Strength and Weakness. Because there's something that happened in the early church when Peter wrote this letter in roughly about 64 AD to a group of Christians who are suffering, who are struggling, who are being destroyed, who lost people they loved. There's so much uncertainty for them. They actually said they were foreigners. They were aliens, strangers in this land. 
See, maybe you and I can feel and relate with that. We can relate with the fact that maybe this doesn't feel like it, it normally was. People always talk with this term, the new normal, but what does it even mean right now? You see, I think for us, this relates to us because Peter is talking to people who are broken, who are destroyed. Something interesting happens to these people that Peter, who, who suffered and died for his faith, was crucified. There's something that happened for Peter that under the persecution and suffering, something happened in his life that spurred up joy and peace and patience and kindness. But something happened in the early church when they were dispersed and persecuted that they actually grew. Their faith grew, but their movement grew. You see, we're going to look today at what Peter's talking about to this church in, in roughly modern-day Turkey in 64 AD. He's talking to people who are suffering. And he writes this letter in verse 1 and 2. And I'd love for you to get there in your Bibles, if I will have on the screen right here. And here's what it says here. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those chosen living as exiles dispersed abroad in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Benthia, chosen and according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Stop right there. Peter is writing like a memo. He's almost like, if you write a letter, my kid wrote a letter this past week. If you write a letter, right, what do you do? You write in the heading to who it's from. And he's writing, he's essentially writing, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, this is who I am. I'm an eyewitness to Jesus. That's why I'm important. Actually, I was sent out, commissioned by Jesus to spread his good news. And actually, if you, you write an email, right, you usually write like a subject line. And I don't know about you, but I think there's two people in the world when they write an email, there's people who actually write a subject line that is so vague. Like, don't be those people. <laughs> don't be a person who writes a very, very, very vague subject line in email. I like to write, when I write like an email, I wrote this past week about my kid's school, and it was like, my son's school's homework for this week. Like, it's as simple as possible. This is what it is. I don't want people to open an email and say, what is this? See, Peter's writing to these people who are suffering, who are struggling. And he essentially writes the gospel in one sentence. It's pretty remarkable. He actually writes the gospel in a remarkable way that I think for you and I, it actually has such implications, such depth for our life. He says here, chosen, in verse 2, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. And you look at that. It's an amazing address. Like Peter is an amazing pastor. He's writing these people in modern-day Turkey, and he is actually summing up, this is why I can find hope in this generation. It's because of the gospel. And if you know what the gospel is, here's what it is. There's a whole trinity chosen by the Father, sanctified by the Spirit, sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. See, it's all in there. And actually, we have this carefully devised expression of how the various parts of the Trinity does what it does for us, how they interrelate, how they cause one another to function. It's actually really remarkable for you and I. See, let me show you there, there's a chain reaction, how Peter is explaining the gospel of people. It says here that we're chosen by the Father. It says it's chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Another way to put it is that, that God has called out his chosen people. See, Peter here is talking to Jews. Peter was a Jew who's talking to Gentiles, people who weren't raised with the faith. And what he's trying to say to them is that these people weren't a part of, these Gentiles weren't a part of the original covenant. 
They weren't actually called God's people. But what he's doing, he's actually saying that through Christ, you're actually chosen by God. You're part of the chosen people now of God. That God knew you before you ever got a choice to choose him. You see, the foreknowledge of the Father, uh, I just feel like, like why should we be diving to this point right in our very first sermon we're preaching to people live in Kelowna? You know, a lot of people say this is a very contentious issue. They're uncomfortable with this doctrine of election. They say, okay, you know, the foreknowledge of God, like I'm uncomfortable with about this aspect of that God knows everything. He foreknows who's going to receive him and who's not. So, so you probably say, well, maybe he's just choosing, right? You're defining foreknowledge as foreseen. See, God sees what he's going to ha- what's going to happen. He foreknows what's going to happen. And then he chooses you on the basis of what he foreknows. There's this great theological point about foreseen versus foreknowledge in this deeply theological film called Infinity, Infinity War. And there's this great spot where Doctor Strange, where him and Iron Man and Spider-Man are on this planet. And Doctor Strange is doing this weird thing where he's like, he's trying to figure out, he's trying to foresee the future. He's going to all these different realities. And what does he say? What's the probability of them knowing the end game, the one option to actually be able to kill this ultimate evil. You see, that's foreseen. But foreknowledge is knowing what's going to happen. It's knowing what's going to happen, not just in Infinity War, but what's going to happen in the end game. You see, there's a number of places in the Bible that talk about this idea of an election, about foreknowing. In fact, it's almost everywhere in the Scripture. And a lot of people feel very, very uncomfortable with this. When it comes up all over the place, I find it most interesting that Bible teachings, especially in the New Testament, they're pretty much assuming that this doctrine was there. A lot of times they don't actually explain it in detail, but they assume that, that we understand there's this aspect of God that he foreknows everything. For example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says here, For we know that God has chosen you because our gospel, this is Paul talking, came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You see, it doesn't say that you were chosen because you were receptive to the gospel. It says that you were receptive to the gospel because you were chosen. See, here's how we know that he's chosen you. When, when you hear the word of God, when you hear that he's chosen you, the Spirit sanctifies you, and that, that you're sprinkled by the blood of Jesus, when you hear that, you're like, there's something different about this. There's something unique about the words of Jesus. That shows that you've been chosen. You see, I think that's a, there's an aspect here where when you, when you hear the words of God, it hits you. I remember being 14 years old and someone shared with me about what Christ did, did for me on the cross. And it hit me like a pile of bricks. Like It hits you. The word of God hits you. It says it hits you because he chose you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'll put another way. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, it says, God says to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. What does that mean? It means I knew you before you were born. Like, isn't that foreknowledge? I think what it means is, it means that before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you were going to be born. I don't think it, I don't think God would be saying here, it's kind of obvious that he knows every little detail about Jeremiah's life. 
What would be the big deal about that? But what it's saying here is that before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. Because think of the Bible, the way it talks about know and the way we, we interpret know is completely different. In this original Hebrew word, it means something way broader than our English word that, for know. Like a lot of times we'll talk about like know, like I, knew, I know about something. Or I knew that person. See, when it tells us in this passage that I knew you, Jeremiah, it's not I knew about you. Of course he knew about Jeremiah. He knows about everybody. What was different was I set my love on you. My affection. You see, when God says to Jeremiah, I knew you were, I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. What it means here is before you were even born, way, 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 way back, I put my love on you. Therefore, in the Bible, foreknowledge doesn't mean foreseen. It means foreloved. It's talking about the recognition of an existence that isn't talking about an existence that's already there. It's talking about the shaping of an existence through love. Do you get that? It's not talking about the recognition of an existence that is already there. It's talking about the shaping of an existence through love. It's being shaped by that love for your whole life. See, Peter's telling people we're about to face death, about to face economic disaster. The reason you know Jesus died for you right now is because from all eternity, God had a plan for you. For all eternity, your life has been shaped by a love that God put on you way, way, way back then. Your life isn't just a mere existence. It's actually being shaped by love. Love that's not going to fade away, but love that's true and authentic, that's real from a creator who's chosen you and loves you. You see, everything in my life and everything in your life is being shaped by a love. Because you see, the knowledge of the Father means that you're chosen through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. See, it moves on and says here that we're sanctified by the Spirit. But when you hear the word sanctified by the Spirit, you immediately think of the process by which someone becomes a Christian, by which you're saved. See, the Spirit of God comes into your heart and slowly through supernatural, supernatural influences, bit by bit, we become changed, become more and more like Jesus. See, where there's impatience, there's patience. Where there's doubt, there's faith, and so on. I'm almost sure in this context, the word sanctification is, is way more broad than what we'd understand. That in the Old Testament, you know, it meant being set apart. And actually, they have these pots in their house, and they take them to the temple for purification rites, and they bring them their sanctified pots. You see, of course, what it means by the Spirit sanctifying us by entering into you when you receive Christ and you're born again, that's what it really is implying. But I think in this, in this situation, Peter's kind of talking about the whole gospel. He's saying that, that before you're ever born, that, that God's love has been on you. But also he's talking here is that there's something even broad here with the sanctifying work of the Spirit. What it means today, if you believe in Jesus, it means that from the very beginning, the Spirit of God has been on your life. You might have not been aware of the Spirit's presence in your life, but the Spirit has been present in your life. It's been pursuing you. I remember what it looked like for me when I was 14 years old, and I felt so convicted and so broken. Like, is this either true 
or this is completely a myth, but I need to figure this out. See, that was the spirit working in my life. You might be sitting at home in your living room. Who knows where you are in Kelowna or Lake Country or Rutland or West Kelowna. And I don't know if you believe Jesus or you believe in Jesus. You're not sure that you believe any of this stuff and you find yourself intrigued and interested in it. You know, sometimes I have people come to me and say, I would love to have faith. I would love to believe in Jesus. But I don't know how to believe that. It sounds crazy. It sounds ludicrous. How do I put my faith in something that I can't hold or I can't fathom sometimes? That, that sounds like I don't know enough details about it. And I'd say to you, is just, start, just relax. I feel like if you're wrestling with those questions, the Spirit is already at work in your life. You know, see, how could you be upset? You couldn't even know you don't believe unless the Spirit of God was working in you sanctifying you, changing you, getting you to the things that you used to live for and changing you to the things and setting you apart for the work of God. See, everything in your life is being shaped by a love of the Father. That's him choosing you. And the Spirit is relentlessly pursuing you, trying to sanctify you, trying to set you apart for the work of God. But it brings us to the place of being sprinkled with the blood of Jesus in obedience to the Spirit. You know, if you want to think about the central figure in the Bible, it's Jesus. It's based around the message that, that my sin and your sin needs to be paid for. You know, this idea of being sprinkled by the blood, which I think is very gruesome in our culture, like no one sprinkled with any kind of blood. But this phrase, Peter here is taking us back to this dramatic scene in Exodus at Mount Sinai where, where they're escaping from Egypt. And while the mountain shook in the presence of the Lord, the people were assembled to enter into a covenant with God. And they built this altar with 12 pillars. And there's a sacrifice that was offered and half the blood that Moses would take would be sprinkled on the altar. And the other half was the people saying a covenant that they're going to be obedient to following God from now on out. What Moses did was he took that blood, he sprinkled it all over them, the other half of it. The sacrificial blood saying, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. You see, at Sinai, in Exodus, Israel was made the people of God and they were joined to him in his covenant. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus, his blood being poured out, makes us the people of God. You see, there's every other religion says that you need to do something in order to attain favor with God. Christianity is the only religion on earth that says that's already been attained for you. That Jesus attains favor with God on the cross. It's achieved in him. There isn't any jury out on your life if you believe in Jesus, the jury is in and you're free. You're set free. That's good news, my friends. You see, this is a love that's so extravagant that if you know it, it relentlessly pursues you. It relentlessly shapes you. It chases you because you don't see that any kind of love like that anywhere else. I've never heard or experienced that love like that, like Christ's love for us that through his blood that we actually get to become his people. 
that that's where the obedience comes from, not out of due diligence or being a moral monster or trying harder or being more religious. It's because Christ did it for you on the cross. He attained it for you. Peter here is saying, in a world of bad news, there is some good news. It's the gospel. That's what Peter, that's what's driving Peter here. It's not his own ambition or self-esteem. It's what Christ did on the cross, that he rose from the dead. See, I don't know what you're facing right now in this moment in your living room. With your kids, hopefully, somewhat behaving in the background. But if I'm going to be super honest, you know, the news in our world that seems so uncertain terrifies me. Like, when am I ever going to be able to travel again? When will I be able to see the people I love? I feel like I wasn't built (laughs) to be in my house, homeschool my kids, with my kids, with people 24-7. I want to see my friends. Like, Zoom will never replace that authentic connection that I desire. You see, I think the news about what the future is going to look like and what it's shaping to become is overwhelming to me. And maybe it's overwhelming to you. You see, we're living in a time where nothing is certain. Nothing is certain in this time. But the one thing I can know for certain is that God knows you. The Spirit is pursuing you. And Jesus' love is relentless. And that's great news. That is great news. Like God knows you. Like his love is being put out on you. His love is shaping you in this moment. Think about 100 years from now. Think about how we talked about the Spanish flu in 1918. But how are we going to talk about in 2020, the coronavirus pandemic? How are they going to talk about my, my kids? are going to talk about their parents. Their kids' kids are going to talk about their grandparents. You see, are they going to talk about the fact that, that God's love, that we were being shaped by it, that the Holy Spirit was pursuing us and sanctifying us and changing us to become set-apart people in this moment for, for his work and his glory and his kingdom? Is it going to be that, that Jesus, his love is so relentless that it shapes us and changes like nothing else in this world? You see, I think in this moment, people can be shaped by, by the pandemic, but it makes you hard. Like I know people who have been shaped by, by hard things in their life, and all it does is it makes them bitter and hardened people. People who just like anything that happens, it's, it's at all out of the ordinary, they just sigh. Like, are you one of those people? It's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened again. Like, how are you being shaped in this moment? How are you becoming? You see, Peter is writing to Christians saying, don't be destroyed by this moment. Don't be destroyed by this circumstance. What he's saying here is, Peter is saying, I'm not going to be destroyed by any circumstance. I'm not going to be destroyed by any circumstance that could hurt me physically, that could hurt me emotionally, that could hurt me, my bank balance. What he's saying here is that Peter, who's chosen by God, who's shaped by that love that's been on him, before he was ever born, who was sanctified by the Spirit, who was cleansed by Jesus, who actually, his love, Jesus' love was so incredible, it pursued him. That when you have Jesus in your life, it changes you. 
Where trials and sufferings would typically make you bitter and hard, it actually makes you more like Jesus, more loving, more caring, more patient, more kind. I'm not saying I've mastered this. <laughs> I'm saying that every day I wake up and I need more of Jesus because I feel like everything in my life gets magnified in this moment. You see, when you need more of Jesus right now, it looks like where there's impatience, there'll be patience. Where there's doubt, there's faith. You see, I think in this moment, guys, where and who are we becoming? Because it matters who are we becoming. Like, are you being shaped by the, the love of God that's been on you since before you were ever born? Are you being changed by the Spirit? And are you understanding the depth of Christ's love for you? Let's pray. God, you know us. I thank you that you've granted us the insights to this deep and marvelous truth. But God, it leaves a lot of unanswered questions. And we know these questions can't all be answered in a time like this. I pray that we would pick up your words and read them. But I thank you for today what you've shown us, what you've shown me in this passage. We also know that, that you are more righteous and more fair and a more just God than we could ever possibly be. That you love us more than we love ourselves. And you're with us in this moment. That you have actually put your love on us before we were born. Spirit, sanctify us. Set us apart for your kingdom in this moment. Jesus, show us your love that's so extravagant that no area of my life would be changed. That every area of my life would be changed by your love, Jesus. Help us to find hope right now that can only be found in you and you alone because we don't, we don't know what people are facing in Kelowna, the circumstances, the desperation, the struggle. But Jesus, we know that you love us that you are pursuing us and that this love is so relentless. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.